Well, good morning. We hope you're doing well. Welcome to Getting in the Word. It's good to be back and so glad that you could join us this morning as we continue our study through the evaluation of continuationism. Uh, we have began this series a few weeks back before we stepped out on vacation. Nevertheless, um, we are glad to jump back into it. It is such a relevant topic for our day and one that is absolutely necessary, extremely important, and one I think we can all glean from as we face a day when Peter reminds us, if you've been joining us through our sermon series through the book of Second Peter, that as we approach the last of the last days, there will be many false prophets who will arise, false teachers. And so I am uh, very passionate about this topic because I believe we're living in a day and an era in which there are many false prophets. And I get direct messages and emails. How do we distinguish between a real true prophet of God and a false prophet? And I say, well, first off, go listen to my several messages that I just finished Sunday preaching through the book of Second Peter, because that's what Peter is doing, is he's making aware for us in today's society of what to expect from the false prophets or false teachers or the pseudo-prophetes or the pseudo-Christians. So this is a great message, one that I, I did not create it. It was a a series that Nathan Butznick put out from Grace Community Church in my Doctrine of Ministry program. He did a fabulous job, and sometimes, you know, it's just uh, easier to teach uh, what someone else has taught because it's biblical, and we're going to look at the Bible, we're going to teach from the Word of God, and we're going to evaluate this uh, continuationism versus cessationism based upon the Word of God. And so if you did not or were not a part of the first series, I've posted it in the feed. So I would encourage you to go back and to listen to that message as we looked um, at, at the apostles and, uh, and, and what an apostle was. We gave three qualifications, really, of what apostleship was, uh, how a true apostle uh, could exist. And first, the first uh, qualification that we presented was an apostle had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Kind of hard to witness that today, isn't it? Therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, how are there apostles today if one of the qualifications that they, they must be an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus? Well, they can't. That's the problem. An apostle had to be directly appointed by Jesus Christ. And we gave the scriptures to prove that in the last session. And then the fact that apostles had to be able to confirm his message, uh, his mission and message with miraculous signs and wonders. Those were signs and wonders given for the building up uh, of the church and being the cornerstone Christ. And uh, there is only one foundation in a house, and this foundation, the church, was built upon the, the apostles and prophets. And so they must have been uh, accompanied with signs and wonders. And uh, we know that um, today it's you cannot meet the qualifications to be an apostle, and therefore um, we, we spoke on that last week. But nevertheless, this rose then the question, if that is true, and the continuationists still believe in apostles today, how can they speculate from the Word of God? And so it draws some reality that they're really closet cessationists. And now we're going to begin not only to look at the, 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 the area of apostleship, which we posted in the feed, but we need to continue... Um, to look at the evidence displayed by the continuationists that they are really cessationists. And so now we're going to look at the gift of prophecy. So we're going to talk about prophets today. And I know, again, 
Uh, you guys have been messaging me. How do we determine a profit? And, and listen, I, I understand there are some people out there who have an agenda when they message me. And they are trying to pitch me and some of my members against each other. Listen, you will never do that. If you're here and you're a snake in the grass, I want you to understand you ought to apply the word of God to yourself. Stop applying the word of God to other people and allow God to transform your life. You got sin. You got issues. You need Jesus just like I need Jesus, just like everybody in my congregation needs Jesus. But listen very closely. I'm going to teach the truth of God's word. I'm going to let God handle the rest. And so we need to be very wise and very sharp when it comes to the topic of prophecy because we are living in a nauseating day when many want the fame and the fortune of a prophet. They just don't want the responsibility of being a prophet based upon the scriptures. So that's what we're going to talk about today is prophecy. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for those here, uh, and we ask that you give us wisdom and discernment, that you give us your word and allow it to penetrate and transform our hearts, that we might be transformed more into the image of your son Christ, that we might be good stewards of sound doctrine, that we might be students of the word of God. So I pray today that you use this time, this uh, these words, the scriptures, to really edify the body of Christ, to encourage them, to strengthen them, and to give them clarity as it, as it relates to the doctrine of continuationism versus the doctrine of cessationism and how that relates in prophecy. So, Lord, we pray that you uh, just open our eyes and our ears to hear from your word that we might speak with truth and boldness for your glory. We ask for these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the Bible gives us not only uh, the qualifications for apostles, but the Bible also gives us three tests for evaluating the legitimacy of anyone that proclaims to be a prophet who receives some new revelation from God. And so we have to then ask the question, if there is biblical uh, evaluations, tests, so to speak, what are they? What are the three tests? Well, first, I want you to notice that the true prophet must be doctrinally orthodox. Okay? Listen, conversely, any self-proclaimed prophet who deceives people by leading them into theological areas which are false, theological areas which portray error, that is a false prophet. And there are a number of biblical passages that we can really dive into to solidify this truth from the Word of God. Because listen, I don't care what some man says about himself or some message he's got from God. I, I care what the Bible says, because that is a message that has proven to be true, that is full, it's sufficient. And thus, I care what the Bible says, not some babbling man. So let's see what the Word of God has to say about the fact that a true prophet must be doctrinally orthodox. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 13, and specifically verses 1 to 5. He, he says here, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true, concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom, have not known, whom you have not known, and let us serve them. What does he say in verse 3? You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, so that you shall follow the Lord your God and fear Him, and you shall keep His commandments. Listen to His voice. Serve Him. Cling to Him. 
but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. That's pretty strong biblical insight, isn't it? What, what basically he's saying here is that, listen, even if a man comes to you and makes a proclamation that comes true and yet is not orthodox, if not sound orthodoxly, then he is to be put to death. He is a false prophet. That's pretty powerful truth. In other words, this passage makes it very clear that if a prophet comes to you, and even if the prophets make predictions that come true, if the prophet leads you away from the truth into error, then that prophet is a false prophet. And you'll notice how serious God treats this offense because he prescribes death. He, 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 he gives the death penalty for that kind of inerrant prophecy. So that's a pretty big deal. So sound doctrine is a must. He must be doctrinally orthodox. Second, a true prophet must have moral integrity. A true prophet must have moral integrity. Any self-proclaimed prophet who lives in unrestrained lust and greed shows himself to be a false prophet. Again, we can look at numerous biblical passages to demonstrate this, but let's just look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. This has been an area which I've just, again, preached through a sermon series on the book of 2 Peter. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you again to go back, listen to all the messages that I preached on 2 Peter, and I think you will be encouraged uh, as you face these days where we have seen an increase in uh, false teachers and false prophets. But listen to what he says in 2 Peter 2, 1-3. But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, and even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensualities, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Listen, there is an extraordinary warning here. And that is, number one, that false teachers, prophets will arise. They will introduce secretly introduce destructive heresies. And what does it say? The way of the truth will be malign. Listen, we live in a day when people claim to be teaching truth when it ain't truth. We, we live in a day when people have confused theory from absolute truth. Listen, your theory doesn't make it true. Truth is always true and will always be true and can be proven to be true. So let's not confuse that because if we are not careful, we will be the ones who are introducing destructive heresies that lead people astray that think they're fighting for the truth when really they're standing up and their life is on the line and they're dedicating it not to the truth but to theory. Listen, if the Bible is true, I believe it is, 
Second Peter warns that false teachers will arise. They will malign the truth. They will twist what is not true to make it true, to distort people, to distract people from what the real truth is. And Jesus says, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is true. If you want to put your life on the line for something, then by golly, get in the word of God and put your line on the word of God. Stop chasing tunnels under buildings. Start preaching the word of God because Second Peter warns us that he is coming back and he is coming back swiftly and we need to hurry it in. And the way we hurry it in is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can chase the things of this world, but they will never satisfy you and they will leave you with no joy. They will leave you unsatisfied and they will leave you Worthless, because you will have spent your days chasing things that you are not designed to chase. You want to be a successful brother and sister in Christ? Preach the truth, and the truth is the Word of God, because it is infallible. It is without error. It is sufficient. God has given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. And so when these false teachers bring in their, their, their non-moral integrity, they're false teachers. They will introduce destructive heresies. We see again, listen, that these false prophets can be identified by their lifestyle. Jesus said you will know them by their fruits. Listen, you can judge someone based off of their actions. Listen, I, I followed a, a predominant Christian rapper. And I listened to one of his shows a while back. And it was nauseating. I mean, it was just F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. I deleted him. I unfollowed him. I unsubscribed him. I want nothing to do with that man. Because you know what's in him is going to come out. Listen, be careful who you spend your time with. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what food source you feed from because you are what you eat. And these men, these false teachers, whether it's a man or a woman, let me remind you, their lifestyle will tell you everything about them. And when you see the fruit of gross immorality and impurity in someone's life, you can be absolutely confident that he is a false prophet no matter what he might claim and no matter what he might say that might even come true. Listen, the devil can do anything. He can manipulate. He can, he can, he can accomplish some of the same signs and wonders that God can. He is the God of this world. God has given him that authority. You remember in the Old Testament when Moses was called to let his go and talk to Pharaoh, and he went and he threw down the snake, and what happened? Pharaoh said, bring my seers, and what did they do? They did the same miracle that he did. Listen, just because something comes true doesn't make them godly. The devil is crafty. Listen, they must have moral integrity. Not only shall they be doctrinally sound in their orthodoxy, they must have moral integrity. But there's one more qualification that a true prophet must meet, and that's thirdly, the true prophet must demonstrate predictive accuracy. Or to put it in this negative way, if someone claims to speak prophetic revelation from God about the future or things to come or about some other secret thing, and that prediction does not come true or come to pass or proves to be false, you can certainly, you can safely conclude that the person is not a true prophet. He is a false prophet. He or she. And so let's again look at the Scriptures. Because again, that is what we, we are to get our truth from the Word of God, not some babbling man or woman. So the principle is delineated in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18. 
verses 20 to 22. When he says, The prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of the other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, how will we know in the word which the Lord has not spoken? Verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if that thing does not come true about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Why? Because he's a false prophet. So. That's just about as clear as it gets, guys. How can we know if a prophet is really speaking of the Lord or if that prophet is presumptuous or false? Well, addition to the other two tests we've already covered, moral integrity and being sound doctrinally, that prophet's ability to reveal hidden truth or predict the future, they must be accurate. Do they come true or not is the question. And even if they do come true, it doesn't make them biblically sound. <laughs> doesn't make them moral have moral integrity. So we have to take all of these three elements in, and apply them as we evaluate people because the devil's trickery. So if that prophet, the things he says, does not come true, he is a false prophet. Listen, the rest of Scripture reverberates this same truth. According to Isaiah 44, 26, God confirms the words of His true messengers. According to Jeremiah 28, 9, the true prophet is the one who, whose prediction comes true. This is because according to Ezekiel 12, 25, the word which God speaks will come to pass. Why? Because God doesn't play games. When God speaks, things happen. When God's words go forth, things unfold. He is not a liar. So again, God's word is very clear. Those who prophesy presumptuously in God's name, predicting things that don't come to pass, such self-proclaimed prophets meet God's displeasure. They're false prophets, and their prophecies ought to be rejected and ignored. Now you say, well, what does this have to do with continuationism? Well, it has a lot to do with continuationists. Because the charismatic movement that, that we are facing in our day uh, looks to these comparisons as, as bogus. They've created their own definitions. They don't allow the Word of God to determine what truth is. They, they come up with their own truth. Now, if we take the broader charismatic movement, especially that what you see on TV, TV such as TBN and other mainstream charismatic media, you'll quickly notice that the charismatic version of prophecy fails to meet the three biblical criteria. So what I did is I set up the biblical criteria of biblical prophecy, and now what I'm going to do is reveal to you the error of the continuationist version or the charismatic version of prophecy because they fail to meet the biblical criteria. Now, the broader charismatic movement is hardly known, okay, for its doctrinal orthodoxy. Right? It is often plagued by moral scandals as well. But really what Nathan wants us to hone in on and focus on is the third requirement of biblical prophecy, and that is the accuracy. Could we discredit it from the doctrinal orthodoxy? Of course. Could we discredit it from all of the moral scandals and the prosperity gospels that's out there? Of course we could. But biblically speaking, we're going to focus on the third requirement, and that is the accuracy. Because this underscores just how different the charismatic definition 
or those who are continuationists, their definition of prophecy is away from that which Scripture itself defines. So let me give you a couple quick examples from charismatics themselves. Because it is said that they are more tolerant to doctrinal error. And so um, Bill Hyman, uh, he says this, we must not be quick to call someone a false prophet simply because something he said was inaccurate. Are you kidding me? Like, who died and made you God, man? Listen to what he says. Missing it a few times in prophecy doesn't make a false prophet. No mortal prophet is infallible or all are liable to mistakes. Wow. There you have it. There you have it. There you have it. Just so you have the reference. Now, again, that's definitely not biblical. You can call it whatever you want, but it ain't biblical. Listen to what Jack Deere says. And Jack Deere is an author that supports, obviously, um, continuationists uh, because we, we've most students who have been to seminary had, had to read Jack Deere's book on, on spiritual gifts. And uh, he is kind of the cornerstone for the continuationists. But listen to what he says. He says, prophets are really messy. <laughs> prophets make mistakes. And sometimes when a prophet makes a, a mistake, it's a serious mistake. I mean, I know prophets just last year that cost people millions of dollars at, with a mistake they made. I talked to people who made wrong investments, actually moved their home, spent tons of money. And that's okay. That that that, that doesn't discredit them. That doesn't that that doesn't make them a false prophet. Uh Listen, in spite the fact that the word of God states that a true prophet must be held to a standard of 100% accuracy, modern prophets simply ignore that standard, being content with the fact that their prophecies contain hundreds of mistakes. The Word of God has spoken, folks. That's all we need. We need nothing more outside of the Word of God. Listen, even among Reformed continuationists, the same substandard approach to prophecy is made. I mean, by men I very highly respect, men like Wayne Grudem, who wrote Systematic Theology. Probably the premier book of Systematic Theology. Listen to what Wayne Grudem says. There is almost uniform testimony from all sections of the charismatic movement that prophecy is imperfect and impure and will contain elements which are not to be obeyed or trusted. And that's okay? We're going to consider that prophet okay? Listen, consequently, continuationists admit that people can rely too much on subjective guidance of prophecy. Wayne Grudem says again, usually this has been because they did not realize that prophecy in the church age is not the Word of God and can frequently contain errors. If it ain't the Word of God, it ain't prophecy. It's just, it's absolutely stunning to me. If it ain't the word of God, it ain't prophecy. Prophecy, he says, Wayne Grudem says again in the church today, should be considered merely human words. You're right, it should be. And thus, not God's word, and not equal to God's word and authority. I agree 100,000% with you, my brother Wayne Grudem. 
what we need is we need people to read their Bible. Stop listening to man. Because in light of its fallible nature, continuationists caution people from depending on prophecies to make their decision. Well, doesn't that make subjective the idea of who a true prophet is and who is not one? Sam Storm says this, only should one should avoid looking to or depending on the gift of prophecy for making routine daily decisions in life. God does not intend for the gift of prophecy to be used as the usual way we make decisions regarding His will. Listen, the implications of this view makes it essentially impossible to know when a prophecy is actually true or erroneous. Wayne Grudem says, pastorally, if someone is in charge of a home fellowship group or if a pastor is in charge of a prayer meeting, you call it as you see it. Well, then who becomes the authority, my friend? He says this, I have to use an American analogy. It's an umpire calling balls and strikes as the pitcher pitches the ball across the plate. What is true and what is false depends on the one determining it. That's subjective babble. Another man who I love and respect is John Piper. He is a continuationist. He's a reformed continuationist. Listen to what he says. A woman came to me while my wife is pregnant with my fourth child. And she says, I have a very hard prophecy for you. Gosh, I just want to throw up when someone comes to me with that mess. And he says, okay. She said, in fact, she wrote it down and gave it to me. Your wife is going to die in childbirth, and you're going to have a daughter. And John Piper said he went back to his study. I got down on my hands and knees. He said, I wept. And when we delivered our fourth boy, not a girl, I gave a whoop which I always do, but this one was a little extra because I knew as soon as the boy was born that it was not a true prophecy. You know what? I'm ashamed that he even let it bother him. Listen, the Scripture is sufficient, my friends. It's full. It needs nothing more. You want to know what God has to say about your future? Open the Bible and read it. It's that simple. We have the end. You want to preach and and be prophetic in your preaching? Thus saith the Lord. Read the Bible. So, moreover, listen, it grants a a veil of legitimacy to these self-proclaimed prophets who clearly do not meet the biblical qualifications that we even entertain that mess. Listen, you want to be a prophet? Okay, be a prophet. But I tell you what, if you want to be a prophet, let's adhere to the qualifications. If you're wrong, let's kill you. I bet you wouldn't be so quick to open your mouth about what God has to say then, would you? You say, well, that sounds pretty rough, Pastor. Well, it is rough. That's what God says in His Word, that if they are in doctrinal error, that they are to be put to death. Listen, these men in the Old Testament didn't just speak. Words, no, they they spoke the Word of God. And thus, God, when we speak on behalf of God, it better be the words of God. Listen, in the end, the continuation, the continuationist version of prophecy consists of supposed revelation that comes from God, which is then declared by human prophet. But in such a way, the prophecy itself is full of errors and is therefore not authoritative or binding on people's lives. John Piper says the gift of prophecy does not guarantee the infallible transmission of new revelation. The prophet may perceive the revelation imperfectly. He may understand it imperfectly. He may deliver it imperfectly. Then he is not a prophet. He says the gift of prophecy results in infallible prophecy. 
So how do the continuationists justify this kind of fallible prophecy? Well, the defenders of modern prophecy generally claim that there are actually two categories of prophets. Revelatory prophets depicted in Scripture, that's the first kind of prophet, is the one described in Deuteronomy 18, and that kind of prophet had to be 100% accurate. His prophecies were infallible and authoritative. This category of prophets included the Old Testament prophet, the New Testament prophet, and all the writers of scriptures. These prophets declared God's revelation perfectly, meaning it was free from any error. You can guarantee when you read the word of God that the prophets, when they spoke, were accurate. And if they weren't, they were put to death. And here's the thing, continuationists openly acknowledge that this kind of prophecy has ceased. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So, so, so how do we then uh, articulate the prophecy today? Well, we have to change the definition. We have to create some new level of prophecy. Because according to the charismatics and the continuationists, there is a second type of prophet depicted in the New Testament. It's a, a second-tier prophet called congregational prophets. Oh, here we go. we got to define something because it no longer exists, so we have to create something. And according to charismatic authors, these prophets were not held to a standard of complete accuracy. So the argument essentially goes like this. While the first-tier prophets like Moses, Isaiah, Peter, and Paul were held to a standard of accuracy 100%, the second-tier congregation of prophets were allowed to deliver prophecies that were full of errors. That sounds like somebody I want to listen to. Because the second-tier form of prophecy was not infallible, it was also not authoritative. So then why are we listening to the people? In other words, when congregational prophets spoke, their prophecies did not have to be obeyed because, after all, they might be riddled with mistakes. In this sense, then, the congregational form of prophecy was essentially nothing more than spirit-led advice. So let's call it that, which may or may not be accurate. I mean, I'm willing to bet you if, if, if we were in a sanctuary and, and I said, how many of you this morning, someone has come to you and given you some spiritual-led advice and you took it and it wasn't good advice? You probably would raise your hand. Because it may not or it may come true. It's optional for people to follow because it's not authoritative. So according to continuation, is like Wayne Grudem and John Piper and Sandstorm. This is the only kind of prophecy that has continued today. Speaking of modern prophecy, Wayne Grudem says, I would put it, put this idea of God bringing things to mind in the same category of authority as advice or counsel from a godly person. So to redefine prophecy as spiritual led advice certainly provides a convenient explanation for all the fallacies and outrageous words of prophecy that are spoken by modern prophets. Sadly, though, however, many Christians are coerced into doing things they otherwise would not do on the basis of a supposed word of prophecy. Charismatic author Kim Crutchfield acknowledges that prophecy can be used to abuse people in the church. And, and, I'm, and I'm willing to submit to you this morning that I believe that's what it is. I believe it's what Peter calls pseudo-prophetaste, false prophets. Some churches and church leaders become abusive. This is what Kim Crutchfield says, abusive church leaders use prophecies to, you know, vilify 
and place fears in the people's hearts. There are false prophecies uttered as tools of social control. They predict doom for those who leave the church. That's cultic, by the way. Such leaders do not allow people to question the prophet. I was at Tulsa with Lynn Wood, and there was this prophet who wanted to speak with him. And we had a guest pastor from Africa, a friend of Lynn's, and he was speaking, and the son of the prophet looked at this young man and this pastor and said, we don't speak when my father's speaking like he's God. Really? Are you kidding me? I just threw up in my mouth reminding myself of it. Listen, such leaders do not allow people to question the prophets, judge the prophecy, or call the message into question. This is a clear abuse of spiritual authority. These types of leaders often use prophecies and words from the Lord to manipulate their flock or to manipulate people. I got a message from God. Listen, I've heard more people come to Family Bible Fellowship from out of town with a message from God. And if they would have just called me, I'd have called them to stay home. Because I don't need a message from God. I have 66 books in full authoritative power through the Word of God in which God can speak to me. I don't need some man to speak to me on behalf of God. God's already spoken everything, given me everything, it says, pertaining to life and to godliness. The question is, will I be willing to obey it? Will I be ever willing to submit to it? It's a crass form of spiritual manipulation. It leaves people vulnerable and to the whims of manipulation of would-be prophets. So you can see the devastating effect of this phony type of prophecy, this charismatic prophecy that exists in our day. It can really burden people with false messages. And, and you know, the other thing that I've noticed is when the, these, <laughs> these prophecies are so vague. It, it, it's like they're about to say something really important. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to tell you something really important. Today is Friday. Wow, that was enlightening. Their, their prophecies are so vague. That people then have to create the truth. Oh, this could be, and this could be, and it lines up. Oh, it's amazing. He he said something while he lives in habitual sin. Really? Come on. G give me a break. Remember, there's qualifications. So this, this is not at all how the Bible defines prophecy. So if you if you are interested in following some prophet of man, who doesn't meet the qualifications based upon the Word of God, then go for it. But beware, you're probably going to be manipulated because they're in it for the wrong reason. Revelation that comes from God is authoritative, my friend, and free of errors. It is absolutely trustworthy, and it absolutely must be obeyed. And that is why we should point people to the truth of God's Word, because it is absolutely authoritative, it is absolutely free from errors, and it is absolutely trustworthy, and listen, it must be obeyed. But listen, as continuationists, like Wayne Grudem, openly acknowledge new revelation from God. That's dangerous, by the way. Because new revelation suggests God is still speaking outside of His sufficient Word. That is where cults come from. That's where the Jehovah's Witnesses come from. That's where the Mormon come from. They're all outside of the Word of God. We have to create some new revelation. Charles Taz Russell has some new revelation. New revelation from God that is authoritative and free from errors is not being given to the church today. Even though it was given to God's people in both the Old and New Testament times, any attempt to redefine prophecy, listen, 
as merely human words, not God's words, as we read from men like Wayne Grudem, is a tactic acknowledgement that God is no longer speaking today as he did in the past. And the question is, are you okay with that? Are you okay with opening your Bible and realizing this is how God speaks to you? This is how God communicates to you? You don't need some signs and wonders and miracles and some voice from God in heaven. He has spoken to us through the prophets, through His living and active Word. Listen, that, that, that concession corresponds with the main premise of cessationism. That He no longer speaks today as He did in the past. So, we need to make sure that we adhere to the qualifications of prophets in today's society. Listen, they must be doctrinally orthodox. They must have moral Integrity. That, that's important. I mean, that is a big deal. Because reality is, without moral integrity, that means that, 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 that these people are not men and women living in sin. The Bible defines what sin is. I don't define what sin is. The Bible defines what sin is. And I have no right to okay sin when sin is spelled out so clearly in the Scriptures. So if that person is not doctrinally sound, they're not a prophet of God. If that person has no moral integrity, they're not a prophet from God. And if their messages do not demonstrate predictive accuracy 100% of the time, not 99.9. No, remember, prophecy is thus says the Lord. If God is speaking, don't you think for one second He can be accurate? We don't have the right to redefine biblical prophecy. What we have to understand is that something changed at the death of the last apostle and prophet. God has spoken to us through His Word. So how do we allow the continuation to justify this kind of infallible prophecy? Well, I don't think we should. I think we should stand against it. We should not redefine prophecy, but we should uphold the reality to acknowledge that God is no longer speaking to us today as He did in the past. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions in many ways, listen to what He says here, guys. In the last days He has spoken to us in His Son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Listen, it's through Christ. It's through his living and active word. Remember, the Scriptures always define Jesus as being the Word. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten from God, full of truth. And that's why He says, Sanctify them in Thy truth, Thy what? Thy word is truth. You want to hear from God? Listen, He has spoken to us today through His Son. Adhere to the Word of God. Stop letting men manipulate your mind to thinking God speaks to us outside His written revelation. He need not say another word because He has given us His infallible word. So where will you follow? Will you follow man, the wisdom of man, or the word of God? 
That's the challenge today. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank, I thank you that you still do communicate to us through your living and active word. And I know sometimes, God, it can be so hard to just dedicate our day, to dedicate our hour, to dedicate a few minutes to cracking the Bible and reading. It's, it's so much more convenient, Lord, for some faulty man to tell us what you want us to hear. But you desire us to yearn for the Word of God like a child yearns for the pure milk of his mother. Lord, help us to be men and women of faith, understanding that we are all sinful, fallen short of the glory of God. doesn't give us the right, Lord, to, to live in habitual sin. That's an oxymoron for a Christian. Your word says without holiness, we will not even sniff heaven in, Roman, in Hebrews 12, 14. That without progressive sanctification, without continual growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, God, we will not see you in heaven. So help us to acknowledge our own sin. Repent and believe the gospel. That you indeed, God, can change our hearts. You can change our minds. You can renew us. And we can be a new creation in Christ. You may be here today and you say, well, I was born this way. Well, listen, I, we were all born into sin. And that's why the Bible says you must be born again. Christ, God, that you might have victory over sin, that you're no longer a slave to sin. Don't let the world tell you it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay for me to go out and be a, a glutton because I like eating. It's, it's not okay for me to, to go out and be a liar because I, I, I need to get out of a situation. It's not okay for me to go out and steal and to take because I'm in great need. It, it's not okay to go out and speak perverted words because your scripture tells us that, that we need to speak that which is honorable to you. It's not okay to go watch these perverted movies that we see on TV that the culture says it's okay. We, we, need, to, we need to repent, God, of our sins. And only you know only you can know what it is in your life that you know is not right before God. And you won't get that from a man. You will get that from the Word of God. You want to hear what God has to say? Father, speak to us through your living in Word, your active Word, so that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ for your glory. And we ask these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.